Lord, we again give thanks for this day. And we pray, Father, that every heart here that hears your word, Father, through this vessel uh, will leave out knowing more about the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than when we came in. So we're just so grateful for this opportunity. I thank you for uh, this uh, chance to fellowship with my sisters and brothers. And, and just, Lord, I was just elated when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I just so, I'm just excited to be here. We thank you for what you've done in our lives already, each of us individually and all of us collectively, Father, and we just pray for more of you. Father, I thank you for waking us up with the reasonable portion of our strength and health and waking up and finding new mercy sprinkled on our pillows, Father, and uh, there's nothing greater. So I thank you, Father. Uh, there's, I can't think of any place that I would rather be than sharing the word of God with my friends. So I give you praise and honor for what you've done already. Look forward to what you're going to do, Father, and just uh, have your way in this place today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow, look at all the overcomers. Praise the Lord. Thankful for you guys. And I just pray that uh, hearts, ears, and eyes will be opened for what he wants to share with us today. Uh, today, uh, Lord willing, we're going to dig into Daniel chapter 1. I have verses 1 through 21, but I can't guarantee you anything on that one. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. And I title this, Do Not Be Conformed to the World. And I, I believe uh, from the center of my heart that we're at a time today when not just the, uh, the, the people of the world, but the Christians as well have given in. We've caved in. We, we, we've talked about being a soldier, being a warrior, yet our actions prove otherwise. We're prayer warriors, but Jesus has called us to go into all the world as well. We can pray here in this building. We can pray at our homes. We can pray at our workplaces. But there comes a time when we have to put feet to the faith. And I know that uh, over the years, there have been many compromises that have been made in this, I won't say, I used to say this country, but now I say this world. And we are called to be different. Uh, one of the things that I notice is that we're too concerned about stepping on toes. Uh, but if you think about it, if you're in a crowded room or a crowded world, as long as you're standing still doing nothing, there's no need to be concerned about stepping on toes. But if you're in a crowded room, a crowded world, and you move around, you are going to step on some toes. We have to be okay with that to, to an extent. We're not called to go out and bash heads or, or, or interrupt God's work other, way, other places, but we need to take a stand for what we believe in. And as we go through this today, Lord willing, we're going to see Daniel and the three Hebrew boys and how they took a stand. And we're going to see examples of others that have taken a stand. And the question to you is, are you taking a stand or are you just staying passive just to keep the peace? And if you say you are, well, I don't really want to make waves. I just want to keep the peace. So I ask you the question, what if Jesus had thought that way? 
Well, hey, listen, folks, I'm going to go in and I'm going to turn over some tables. Yeah, but Jesus, let's think that out. You know, what's going to happen? You're going to infuriate some people. You're going to get some people upset. So let's, let's just go and just pray about this and then see what happens. So Jesus didn't have to be concerned about that. He knew he had to take action. And there are so many other instances where that was the case as well. He's got to take action. And that's what us. Take a stand, folks. Verse 1, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And as we go through this, we'll see that Daniel bridged it, the entire 70 years of the Babylonian captivity. Daniel was God's mouthpiece for the Gentile and the Jewish world, declaring God's current and future plans what Revelation is to the New Testament, Daniel is to the Old Testament. And you, you will see a lot of prophecy if you read this. When you read this, you will see a lot of prophecy in Daniel. And you will see how the Lord is working mightily through him through every step. And what we have to remember is that when God called us, he, sh he shared with us that we're going to share in his trials and the blessings. So it's not going to be a bed of roses. We're going to have to take action. We're going to do some things that we're not comfortable with. But that's okay. That's okay. As long as you have the Lord's blessing, we need to go out. We need to take a stand. And one of the things that, that I noted uh, from years of hanging out in this world is we make sacrifices. We make compromises. And one of those is something that I'll state very simply is when we gave in to saying happy holidays. Well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal, friends. It's a huge deal. Well, uh, I feel uncomfortable because everyone else is saying happy holidays and I'm saying Merry Christmas. You weren't called to be comfortable. This is not a comfortable world. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. It's huge because by that, we're giving in. And when the world recognizes the fact that we're giving in, well, okay, what do we got now? So we pushed this at them, and they caved, so let's do this. And we've already seen in 2020 how prone we are to cave in. We've seen it. Not going to get into the political aspects of it, but we have given in, and we can ill afford to do that. Even today, we're allowing our young people, well, I don't want to impose my will on my son or my daughter, so I'm just going to let them make their own choices. If the bridge was out at the end of the road, would you tell them? Well, I'm just going to let them drive over and find out for themselves. No. No. You want to let them know. We need to let them know that there is a better way. And as we get into this, we're going we're gonna to talk about the, the brainwashing or the name changing and realize that there's nothing new under the sun. Verse 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And Shinar was short for, for a term for Babylon, and Jehoiakim 
his, his god was Bel or Murdoch, and the Babylonian religion recognized many gods. And we're going to see that as we go along. We're going to see, uh, and we had this conversation this morning about, uh, as far as the name change, and we'll talk about that, but they worship many gods. And even though some of us consider ourselves to be Christians, we might, might want to go back and, and really read the word of God and see what that means. It doesn't mean that you go to church every Sunday. It goes well beyond that. Are you living the will, the word, and the way of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you living that? And it's okay. Many of us can talk. We can quote scriptures. We can pray with the best of them. We can pray up to six minutes without stopping. But that doesn't quite do it. We need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Plain and simple, friends. It's got to be. And in, in this context, uh, he brought the art, some of the articles into the house to conquer another nation's deities, and that's what these articles is about, will start to prove the su superiority of the victor's God. So if I overcame your nation, my God is more powerful than yours. Right now, the world is pushing their gods at us as Christians, true Christians, pure Christians, Christians at heart. The world is pushing its agenda. Are you buying it? And the answer is yes, some of us are. We're buying it. We're buying this agenda. We're saying that, you know, there's certain words we can't say anymore because I just want to explain one thing before we go any further. I've been making this statement, uh, and, and I call it the tail wagging the dog. And I assume that everyone knew what I meant by that. But someone came up to me last week and says, I have no idea what that means. It means that the smallest member of the animal, in this case the dog, is causing the dog to move. Ideally, the dog wags the tail. But we're in a world now where the tail is wagging the dog. And that organization that's pushing their agenda is not large. They're a small, they're the tail. We're the body. And we get the impression that because they're being what we consider effective, that they're large. They're not. It's just that these guys, they, they say they're Christians, but they stay in their, their place and they pray. And we're just going to do what we, we got to do. We're going to push our agenda until they cave in. They want us to believe that what they're doing is normal. This Bible, that's outdated. That was 2,000 years ago. That doesn't apply. This is a new world. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Nothing new under the sun. These things that, that were being pushed at us now were being pushed by the Sadducees and the Pharisees years ago. And some people bought it and some didn't. And we're going to see as we go along that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys did not accept it. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. The first group of captives were taken to Babylon, included Daniel and his three friends. Daniel and his three friends were made eunuchs in fulfillment of Isaiah 39, 7, which says, Isaiah 39, 7 says, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the, in the palace of the king of Babylon. 
So, again, these are the things that are happening to our young people today. They're being drawn into these, these cults, these sects, these, these clubs, these gangs, whatever you want to call it. And, and as we go along, we're going to talk about how this is happening in our world today and how we, as a group, as a people, as Christians, are standing aside watching it take place. The Lord has a plan, and I'm not going to get in the way of his plan being carried out. That's not truly biblical, friends. If, if that were the case, then uh, why are we here? We could stay home and do nothing. We could stay home, and I don't really need encouragement. We could stay home and do that, but we come out because we want to hear the word of God. And Lord willing, we will. We need to stand up. Plain and simple. What does that mean? It means something different for you and you and you. And we don't know what that means for you. I know what it means for me to take a stand, and that's part of what I'm doing here today. Yeah, you, wanna, you, you have a tendency to want to be liked. So you better not talk about sin. You better not get up there and remind uh, the people of the church what they're not doing. Otherwise, they're not going to like you. I won't say I don't care. But I would rather be on the side of Jesus than on the side of anybody in this room. That's just how I, that's just how I do. I, I just, and I mean that sincerely. I'm not just saying, trying to be spiritual, but that's my heart. And I know that we are compromising. I know that I am compromising. And as a psalmist say, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. And I know that there's no one sitting here or listening here that's immune to that. We've all got issues. Every single person here has issues. Regardless, well, not me, brother. I'm really grounded in the Lord. Nonsense. You've got issues. And you can't hide it. There's certain things that's going to come out. Uh, verse 4, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And these, these young men, they were given aptitude tests to determine their abilities, talents, and IQ. Babylon wanted the best brains as well as perfect physical specimens. And the qualification for the Jews to be trained in affairs of uh, state included being first physically free from bodily blemish or handicap and handsome, one must have a pleasing appearance in the public eye. Number two, they must be mentally sharp. Number three, they must be socially poised and polished for representing the leadership and the age of these trainees was typically between 14 and 17 years of age. Is that anything new? Who are the cults? Who are the gangs? Who are the clubs recruiting today? And we're going to talk about the name change. And I just want to say to us, as far as our children, our grandchildren, if little Bobby comes home and says, Mom, Dad, Starting today, I want you to call me Road Dog. You might want to question the, the reason for that. 
because this brainwashing process is taking place today. Our world around us, all of these who know it, whether you keep up with the news or not, is turning into the wild, wild west. You can't deny it, my friends. You can't deny it. No matter what rock you live under, if you do, you are aware that there's nothing that has to happen before the Lord comes back. Men are lovers of themselves, you betcha. All these things that are going on, the birth pains are increasing. We have to be concerned about that. Who were these Chaldeans that we speak of here? Uh, and these men might uh, teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were the group of advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. They were known as a highly educated group, especially skilled in astrology and astronomy. Well, why is that important? Well, let's, move, let's go a little further. Along with many other people groups in the Old Testament, the Chaldeans were God's instrument of judgment upon disobedient Israel, and the Babylonian army also defeated Israel in battle, as it says in Jeremiah 51.4. Also, 2 Kings 25, 5-10. The Chaldeans were one of the groups that raided Job. They killed his servants and stole his livestock. And you can read that in Job 1.17. And the end of the Chaldeans were also prophesied. Then after 70 years are completed, I will uh, punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. They were brutal, but they were the epitome of what was a higher standard of knowledge. We have to be concerned about that just by the grace of God. That's all of us. But the thing is, the Chaldeans expressed knowledge, but they didn't necessarily express wisdom. Well, what's the difference? Knowledge is head knowledge. Knowledge is taking that head knowledge, bringing it to the heart, making it wisdom. That's the difference. We know a lot of facts. There's people in this room now who can give us facts that we had no idea about. Sometimes I wish they wouldn't, but that's another story. The end of the Chaldean was prophesied in Jeremiah 25, 12. In the Chaldean's literature... It talks about their, their beliefs and their literature. It was a set of spiritual and philosophical texts widely used by Neoplatonist philosophers from the 3rd to the 6th century. So they wanted to erase all this knowledge, all this wisdom that these young men had of our Lord and Savior Christ, Jesus Christ. And they want to replace that with some of the gods, and we'll see that in a few minutes with the name change. Verse 5, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. What were the king's delicacies? The king's delicacies might have been Exotic and strange meats and foods that were not allowed on the Jewish diet, such as certain shellfish or other meats. And these foods were also sacrificed to their gods or their idols. 
And it talked about three years of training. Promotion of these four Hebrews after three years agreed with a year of promotion after the dream of the second year. The idea was to orient the captives into the culture of Babylon. The idea of the world today is to orient uh, young people, and some not so young, into their culture. We want you to be like us. Well, we don't want to be like you. Why are you narrow-minded? So what if I ask you to be like me? Does that change anything? Well, that's different because we don't want to worship your God, but we want you to worship ours. Wait a minute, that's, that's, that's a double standard. But we buy into it because we don't look at it that way. I'm going to step on your toes, but I'm not going to allow you to step on mine. So that's not fair. And it, it isn't. But what are you doing? Are you compromising? Are you caving in to the things, what they're telling us, what we can do and what we can't do, what we can say and what we can't say? You know, we went through a season where they closed the church and kept the bars open. Who made that up? But that's what they did. And so many other things that we were subjected to, and now we get past that, and do we realize what's happening? Now, here's the problem. What's next? No one in this room knows. God knows. But no one here knows. Well, I saw this coming. Did you see 2020 coming? No. And if you say you did, I, I need to walk away from you. Because I don't think you're being honest with me. The problem is, what's next? Did we see all this flag waving? Leave it at that. Did we see that coming? Well, no, because this is a country where if this one person is pushing their agenda, the ten of us are going to stand against it and, and speak our peace or let our will be known or go to the powers that be and stand up for what we believe in. Just like in the fairy tales, my friends, once upon a time. It's not happening. It's not happening. We're not taking that stand. We are letting the tail wag the dog. We're allowing it. We're allowing one person in our neighborhood to tell us that we can't fly, oh glory. What? I'm confused. I thought we were in the USA for a minute there. And that's what's happening. And this isn't, I'm not making this up, friends. We are allowing one person to tell a neighborhood that they can't fly the flag because they find it offensive. Yeah, we can go back to what we used to say in the 70s, like it or leave it. But that doesn't do any good. It's just that if I know that I can impose my will on you and you're going to lay down or do nothing, then I'm going to do it. And that's why we don't know what's coming. Pray. 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 Repeat. And the Lord has, has already told us in his word what's coming our way. He's told us, and, and we talk about wars and rumors of wars. Is it here? Is it here yet, or is that predicted for years to come? It's happening. It's there. There's nothing that has to happen before Jesus comes back. Nothing. 
Name changing was and is, let me go back. Um, Verse 6. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Only four of these young men were identified, but there were others. These are the four who remain true to God. This is to conclude that the others defected to the enemy. Daniel was, in, in, in this case, Daniel was somewhere between 15 and 17 years old, prime for the picking. Still going on, my friends. Verse 7, to them, the chief of the units gave names. Gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Name changing was and is a key factor in the brainwashing process. The Babylonians use it in their training and is still used today. The idea for the Babylonians was to link the inductees to local gods rather than support their current religious loyalty. Nothing new under the sun. Brainwashing, name changing. And I mentioned you know, if your son or daughter comes in with a name change, you, you probably should question it. Why is that? Because that's what's happening in our world today. And so many are being drawn in because we are not teaching them or encouraging them through the word of God. We're allowing them to make their own decisions. Well, he or she is at a point now where they're old enough to make their own decisions. But if you see that they're making bad decisions, don't you love them enough to tell them that there's a better way? Don't you? You should. I won't say you must, but you should. You need to let them know that there's a better way than where they're going. The, the ways that they're going, they're, they're trusting in someone who's showing them that a, a false love, if there's such a thing as that. There's probably not a, there's tr- not a true statement, but there's no such thing as false love. But the point is, we're giving them what they want to make them feel that they're needed, they're wanted by us. So we want to change your culture. We don't want you to be called this. We want you to be called that. We want to adapt you to who we are. We want you to be one of us. So you have to change your name in order to be one of us. You can't join our club until you have a name change. You can't be a part of this cult until you have a name change. You can't be in our committee unless you have a name change. And that's brainwashing. It's just the beginning. And we'll see by the name changes what is going on here. From Daniel, uh, the name meant God is my judge, to Belshazzar, which is Bel, protect the king. And Bel was the name of a heathen idol that they worship in Babylon. So we're going from God to one of the local idols. For Hananiah, the name means the Lord is gracious. Change that to Shadrach means command of Aku. And Aku was a Babylonian sun god. So we're going from God to God of the sun. We're going to a God that is vast, to a God that is 
minimized. For Mishael, that name's been who is like the Lord, to Meshach, to who is that, what Aku is, and it's like who is like Venus. So we're going from the, the Lord, uh, the, who is like the Lord to who is like Venus. World's a difference there, folks. Just a matter of how you believe. From Azariah, that names mean the Lord is my helper, to Abednego, or servant of Nego. Nego or Nebo was a god of vegetation. So we're going from a god who's everything we need, the great I am, to a God of vegetation, to a God of the sun, to a God of a planet. We cannot allow ourselves or the ones that we love to be drawn into these things. We need to take a stand. And the intention of Nebuchadnezzar was to destroy the connection between these young men, their people, their land, and their religion. We need to take a stand. Daniel took a stand. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The pagan food and drink was devoted to idols. To partake was to understand as honoring their deities. When we don't take a stand for what's going on, when we don't show that we're opposed to what's going on, that means to those that we're accepting what's going on. We're, I don't see them. I don't see them uh, making any noise about what we're doing. They close the churches and we're silent. So they must be okay with it. We tell them that they can't talk about sin from the pulpit, and they're silent. So I guess that means they're okay with it. We tell them that they have to hire someone who chooses to practice a different lifestyle, and they're not making any noise, so that means they're okay with it. No. No, no, got to take a stand. We got to take a stand. Daniel purposed in his heart not to engage in compromise by being untrue to God's call of commitment. But God had already prepared the menu. They were only required to be obedient. That's a tough word for us. Obedience? I don't know if I could do that. Okay, here's your choices, friends. You make the choice. Obedience or sacrifice? Your call. Now, this version that I read says obedience is better than sacrifice. And so far, I don't have a need or desire to challenge that. Am I always obedient? You be the judge. Uh, Daniel's decision did not reflect the modern softness of compromise. The will of God was all absorbing purpose of Daniel's life. Is the will of God the 
all, all inspiring purposes of purpose of your life? What is your reason for being here? Why do you call yourself a Christian? We need to show it. For those that we're witnessing to, our younger people, and even some that are young at heart, they're going to see our lies before they hear our words. We can talk all we want. Are we setting the, good, the godly example in our lives, in our walk? Well, you know, Jesus ate with the sinners. Yeah, he did. How about you? Well, he hasn't called me to do that. So everything that Jesus did, he set an example for us. Is that any different? It's just a matter of whether they chose to obey that particular part of Scripture. Jesus said, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Do we believe that part? Yeah. So why we still have over a year that people are afraid to come back to church? Why is that? And we're not going to be critical. We, we don't... We want to minimize judgment. But why are they still afraid to come back to church? At what point is it going to be okay? Are we waiting for someone to say, okay, that's it. You can go back. Who is that? If the Lord has put on your heart to go back, there's people that are missing your encouragement. There are people that you need to be encouraged by. They're waiting. There are people. There are sisters and brothers here today. They have a lonely environment. They need to hear from us. They need to speak with us. They need to speak to us. They need to fellowship with us. To give them a sense of belonging. But we're missing it. It's okay. It's okay to sit home in your jammies with your coffee and watch this. But if you're doing that, then you focus on you. And Jesus encouraged us to esteem others above ourselves. Yeah, I can stay home. I can be a lot more comfortable. But who's missing out on fellowship? What am I missing? And what is someone else missing as a result of that? I can't encourage you with my presence remotely. You can't encourage me with your presence remotely. We need to have fellowship. We're, we're designed for that. We're made for that. Daniel and his friends represent the Jewish remnant which God has in, has in all eras. Paul spoke of this remnant in uh, Romans 11.5. Romans 11.5 said, Even so them, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. What is that remnant? Who is that remnant? God always has a remnant. There's never been a time and never will be a time that he doesn't. But the problem is, as the world has an effect on us, they're taking that little piece of cloth that it requires to be a part of that quilt, and they're ripping it up and tossing it away in the garbage. So that remnant is getting smaller. But we got one thing going for us, at least one thing. God prefers holy over huge. 
And that's, that's, we got that on our side. He's not concerned about the numbers. He's not concerned about how many people are here, how many people are going out to the outreach, how many people are staying back praying. He's looking at hearts. And I'm thankful for that. We're thankful for that. That's what he sees. So God has a plan. He always has a remnant. Even in this room, I should say especially in this room, God has a remnant. I don't know who they are. I can't look at you and say that you're part of that, that, uh, that quilt. I can't. I can't even speak for myself because I know that on any given moment, my heart's here, and then the next moment, my heart's over there. I'm not going to stand here and, and say, you know, well, I, I got this nail. I got nothing nailed. I'm learning every single day, not only about the heart of the Lord by reading his word, but learning about me. And there was a time when I struggled with, with uh, Jeremiah. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Well, I know I'm not, I would never do that. No, you can't say that. You shouldn't say that. We don't know what we're capable of. If, if I were to videotape you for 24 hours, and then I say, hey, let's sit down and watch this. Who is that? That's you. No, no, I would never do that. I would never say that. Yes, you would. Jer the, Jeremiah is true. Yes, you would. Prone to wander. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Got to be careful. If you think that you're fooling God, you're going to find out just your way off. You can't fool him. He knows. He knows your heart. He knows your very, every fabric of your being. He knows what you're capable of. And he knows that is anything, whether we, is our definition of good or bad, he knows. God knows. Exodus 34, 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods. And one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice. We're invited. Come on over here. This is a better way to live. You have more friends if you live this way. You Christians, you, you don't have any fun. You never do anything. You just pray, go to church. You never do anything that's worthwhile. We can go out and we can just have all kinds of fun. And you guys are just so limited. That's no way to live. Some of us have bought it. Well, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm just going to hang out with my friends. They want to go to the bar, but I think I can worship to them. I can fellowship. I can, I can witness to them at the bar. It's not a big deal. I don't have to be like them. No, you don't. But you got to ask yourself, if I hang out with the world, am I going to be influenced more by them? Or are they going to be influenced more by me? Ask yourself. You might not like your answer. And those who tried it can attest to it. They can stand and say, amen, brother, I know all about that. I thought I could go and hang out with my buddies at the local uh, place, but I found out that I was influenced more by them than they were by me. They wouldn't give me an opportunity to talk about the Jesus that I serve. 
Now, I leave that Jesus talk for church. Right now, let's just have a good time. Well, okay. Compromise. Oh, boy. Let's take a stand, friends. And the foods that God's law uh, prohibited, talks about in Leviticus 1, were items that pagans consumed to partake were examples of direct compromise. We like this, so we don't care what the word of God says. My flesh wants this. My flesh is ruling. And the last time we got the chance to talk, we brought up the word lust. And just inform all of us that when we think of that, we think of sexual or sexual gratification. But lust goes way beyond that. Lust is a large umbrella. And it could encompass so many things. Lust. Lust. What does that mean? I'm lusting after a big house. I'm lusting after a big car, a fast car, a shiny car. I'm lusting after certain foods. I'm lusting because a neighbor's lawn is greener than mine. It's wide, it's vast. Lust. Uh, Let's take a stand. Moses took a stand. In Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The psalmist took a stand. Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 1, 19, uh, 115, depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandment, commandments of my God. Jesus took a stand in Hebrews seven twenty six. for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. But wait, there's more. Jesus took a stand. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. Well, brother, I'm not sure what's clean and unclean. Read the word of God. He'll make it very clear. Very clear. And there's no great areas in the Bible. It is or it ain't. I know your English majors don't like me saying that, but get over it. <laughs> I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Again, Jesus took a stand. Second Timothy 2.20. 
But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Are we willing to take a stand today? You pray, you ask the Lord what that means in your life. Does that mean going to the school board meetings? Because what they're imposing now is having an adverse effect on our sons and daughters, our grandchildren. If that's what the Lord calls you to, obedience is better than sacrifice. Are you willing to, to go to the polling places and understand what these powers that be is imposing on us today? They're making laws, or sometimes it's really not a law. They convince us that it is without saying that it isn't. Are you willing to take a stand on that? These are the things that affect us all. These candidates that are a lot different than how they used to be. We go there and we're not really sure what we're looking at anymore. What is this person going to say? What are they standing for now? Are you willing to take that stand? Are you willing to be proactive rather than reactive? You've got to ask yourself that. What is going on in our schools? What is going on in our churches now? Now we know that we can draw the young people in with certain music. We call it Christian because there's, we can throw a couple words in there. We can classify that as Christian music. It's not that. It's not the words. It's not the words. It's what is being instilled in the heart as a result of that worship. It's what's being instilled in the heart as a result of those words that are being said. It's not easy. A lot of us are comfortable. We read and we read about the Laodicean church and we, we laugh. Wow, how could they be so naive? How could they be so out of touch? I challenge you, folks, go back, look at the Laodicean church, make a checklist, and then put down, I'll, in this case, I'll just say Cabaret Rochester, do a checklist and see how often it lines up. You'd be surprised, unfortunately. I had no idea that we were comfortable. I had no idea that we were just accepting what the world threw at us. I had no idea that we thought that we had it all, all the things that we needed or desired. So we didn't have to rely on Jesus Christ. I thought we had it. We don't. We don't. Here's the problem. The problem with deception, you don't know you're being deceived. And the realization of deception is a 2020 thing here. We look back and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's why it's so dangerous. We're being deceived now because we're coming out and we're, we're going through the motions. Some of us are playing church even as we sit here today. This is not enough. You must be born Again, you must have a relationship, a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You must. There's no alternative, friends. Think about the ones that woke up this morning and went into the room and saw someone that they love who's just an empty shell now. What happened to them? 
they went to their final destination. Where is that? Well, I'm not really sure. Know that you know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If there's anyone here among us today sitting in this room or looking through that, those lenses, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Wait, but I got time. I'm still young. I got time. My grandmother, she, she, uh, she parted a bit when she was younger, but she gave her life, so I think that's in the cards for me. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Someone woke up this morning and found their 60-year-old son hanging from the raptors. Don't want to sound morbid, but I got to be honest with you guys. In his calendar, there were events, weeks out, months out, years out, and he had plans. He didn't wake up that day, that moment, and say, you know what? I think I'm going to take my life. We need to wake up. We need to. Things are happening around us, and we're going to regret it until the Lord comes back, which is soon. We're going to regret it. Why didn't I do something before this happened? Don't you know that after Roe versus Wade was passed, there were a lot of people who had regrets? Don't you know when they decided to take prayer out of school, there were a lot of people who had regrets? We should have done something. So I'm saying now, here and now, that we need to stand today. Don't you know that our children, grandchildren, are being led in like sheep to the slaughter? Don't you know we need to take a stand? Because we have a responsibility. If you are a true Christian, if you are a true believer in our Savior, Jesus Christ, your heart is to go out into all the world. We can stay at home. We can keep it to ourselves. But that's not what he called us to. We need to witness to our sisters and brothers. There are some among us today that are hurting. How do you know? The word of God tells us that we are people of like passion. And I know that we all have things that are going on in our lives, things that we're struggling with. We need to share our burdens with one another. And I understand, especially being a male version of God's handiwork, that I don't want anybody to know. I got pride issues. I know some of you say, no, nah, I don't buy that. But it's true. It's true, I do. And so I don't want you to know that I'm struggling with something that I, I need to fix. But I do want to hear from you. I do want to hear from my sisters and my brothers. Brother, I got something on my heart I really need to pray. I need to pray for my uncle because he's not doing well right now. You know, he's got cancer. I need to pray for my friend. They're having a, a, a joint replacement in the very near future. And they're fretting because they don't know what's going to happen. We need to be in touch.
This is where fellowship comes into play. And thank God that uh, we do have the kitchen ministry and the cafe ministry back in, in, in action now. And that's an opportunity to go in and pray in fellowship with our sisters and brothers. Let's not let another day pass before we commit to being about our father's business. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. Um, he's coming back soon and very soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, I said, uh, <laughs> verses 1 through 21. <laughs> All things work to the good. Father, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity to pray with my sisters and brothers, Father. And I just pray that if there was any, even one word that was spoken that discouraged my, my brother or my sister, Father, I pray that you would just erase it from their minds even now, Father. And I know that uh, in your word, Father, uh, you give us the word hope. And that word hope applies 126 times throughout the Bible. And in contrast, the word hopeless applies eight times in all the Bibles combined. And I know, Father, that you're a God of hope. You are what we need. You are that great I am. And you've proven that over the years, Father, and you will continue to prove it. Uh, your word tells us that you are the same today, yes, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we can rest in that, folks. We can rest in the fact that God keeps his word. God keeps his promises. And those promises are yea and amen. So I pray for each one of us. Again, if there's anyone who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that day of salvation. I would pray that they will come running Asking, what must I do to be saved? So, Lord, we give you praise and honor now for what you've done. We look forward to what you're going to do. And we look forward to the outreach today, Father, that you would touch souls, that you would win souls. And not just to bring people to Calvary Chapel of Rochester, but to bring people into a personal relationship with you, whatever that means, Father. So, again, we give praise and honor to you for all you are. And we thank you for whose we are. May you receive the blessings in every word that we utter and every deed that we do from this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. And I just pray if anyone has any prayer, the pastors, elders will come up and be more than happy to pray with you. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. God bless you.